Yeah, you can break. I'll run this table on you. Yeah, right. Eleven ball. Side pocket. Three ball. Hey there, and welcome to Matama podcast where we share with you and our guests travel topics that push the boundaries in celebration of the human experience. I'm your host today, Greg Traverso, and it's really awesome to be with you today as we fly together over this landscape of travel. You know, flying over the landscape of travel is a pretty nice place to be. You know, it's kind of like that time when you're on an airplane, you finally get settled in your seat. Maybe you have a window seat, and you open the window, you look out the window, and you see the world below you. You see the earth, and you think, you just marvel at things, and you're like, this is incredible. And you're on your way to somewhere where you're going to get to relax, like completely decompress, or maybe go you know, explore cultures or go climb a mountain or go sit on a beach. But whatever the case may be, you just... You have that feeling, you know, of the newness, and you're you're on your way, and it's just a sweet spot. Today, you know, we're going to look at this landscape of travel from the perspective, again, of the internal journey just a bit, just to remind ourselves that that's what we're on, you know. The last podcast that we flew solo together delved into languages and communication, human communication, Uh, the spoken tongue as well as that that lies under the surface, you know, which is so much of it, you know, the majority of it lies down below where we really sometimes can't see it. And it makes me think of that body language or that body English or, you know, that body English. That's a term I really haven't heard for a long time, haven't even said myself, you know. I don't know if you know that term. It's like body English or body language. It's uh Maybe it relates to pool, the idea of, you know, what kind of spin you put on the cue ball as you hit towards another ball to leave that cue ball or go in a different direction. That's an interesting word, actually, English. And we're speaking about English. Now we're talking about English as it relates to, to a pool ball. But, you know, let's run with this because, you know, if you think about it, it's pretty interesting. You can have a good shot at that ball and then you could put the wrong English on it or where you place that tip of the cue on that cue ball and it can just totally go wrong as we've all experienced playing pool you know for sure and uh, I was very lucky really I my father brought my brother and I very often down to a pool hall in downtown Stockton I mean this was a real you know old uh, pool hall smoky inside and just full of characters, you know, guys that would hang out there all day, guys on their lunch break. You kind of had a large swath of people, uh, longshoremen and businessmen, and, you know, everybody had a nickname, and and uh, just the sounds in that old pool hall, I mean, they stay with me for a lifetime, and I think there were some life lessons in there, and certainly I learned to play pool, but, 
you know, I was watching the people was the most fascinating part of all. And, uh, you know, I learned, uh, you know, something about playing English on a cue ball. And you, you know, probably know the basics. But basically, when you have that cue and you, you know, stroke at the cue ball and you hit it low, you can draw it backwards or you can hit it a little bit higher and it follows or right spin, left spin, which can really throw you off because sometimes it's the opposite of what you think. And with pool, it's like life, really. You know, you're having to think ahead or you could make a wrong one wrong shot it could be a good shot but if you don't leave yourself set up for the next shot then you put yourself behind the eight ball so to speak um like i said such such is life and you know then you've also got to be you know basically with english you play it off the cushions and you set yourself up kind of like chess where you're thinking ahead and so pool is a a wonderful game of course and you know i just remember traveling having probably my most interesting and uh pool game ever that i had in my life now that i think about it and i'll share that with you today uh, while traveling so i was (laughs) i had come across africa like i've talked about in this podcast having backpack and hitchhiked and canoed and just about everything else across the continent i ended up in nairobi and in Nairobi, I was, you know, ready to fly on from there to India to start my next leg of my adventure. Um, before I did, I decided to call home. You know, back then, this is the early 90s, you know, there was no internet to use. There was, you know, not a text message or emails or anything like that. So you, if you wanted to call home, it was very expensive. It was something like 7 or $8 a minute. And so I limited myself to a call for to three minutes or twenty or twenty five dollars, which as a budget traveler was a, a big splurge. But I called my good friend John and he happened to pick up, which was good fortune. And I got to talk to him in short fashion. And in that conversation, John said, Hey, look, I was just visited for a couple days by an eye surgeon from India. And his name is Rajavit. And Rajavit is interesting in that he comes from a family. His brother's an eye surgeon. His wife is an eye surgeon. His brother's wife's an eye surgeon. And their father is a well-known eye surgeon with the first LASIK surgery machine in India. And he did surgery on the Viceroy to India. So this was a well-known family that had the LASIK. And at the time... In Stockton, I don't, I don't believe there was a LASIK machine, so it was interesting for John, interesting for Rajavi to see the you know practices and other surgical practices here in the U.S. And they hit it off, and John said he would love to see you, I'm sure. And so, I actually just jotted down on a scrappy little piece of paper I had with me, Rajavi Singh, Singh Eye Clinic, Amritsar, India. I probably spelled that wrong. And I took it and I probably shoved it in my wallet or my traveling pouch and went on my way. Kind of forgot about it. I went through India. I went, uh, flew to Mumbai or Bombay as it used to be called and went up into Gujarat and saw where Gandhi was lived and, you know, up to Udaipur and Jaipur and eventually to Delhi. And then from there, I remembered Rajavi and this piece of paper. So I took it out, looked at it. And I said, I'll just go to this area. So 
Amritsar is up in the Punjab, which is up in northwest India and on the border of Pakistan, really. And so to get there, I believe I took a train, which I did all through India. I got up to Amritsar. Now I'm on the street, and I got to find this Singh Eye Clinic. And I start by finding a rickshaw driver. Now rickshaw is like this little putt-putt motorized little contraption that takes you around. I think there's like 65, 70,000 of them in Amritsar alone. They're not like the rickshaws like in Calcutta where they're human pulled. So this is motorized. So I get in this and the gentleman takes me to my destination. He says, oh, sure. You know, he's speaking very little English, is able to take me to the Singh Eye Clinic and drops me off. I remember noticing uh, there were people just sitting around with no shoes on, just kind of all over. It's very, it's very common in India. And I kind of like walk through the crowd to get to the receptionist to say, is Dr. Rajavit Singh available? I mean, I'm coming out of nowhere, so I didn't really expect to get lucky exactly, but to be able to meet with him. But I thought I'd give it a shot. And she said, yes, he's here. Well, she kind of said that. I wasn't sure what she said exactly, but um, she said, wait, wait. And so eventually she took me to a room. Uh, and without much introduction, I walk in there, and there's a doctor in this room, and he's doing some kind of little surgical, uh, some surgery or something on a, a woman's eye that was laying down. He was bare, the member of the doctor was barefoot, and I introduced myself when the moment presented itself, and he said, no, no, I'm not Rajavita, but I'm his brother, but Rajavita is gone, he's traveling in another part of India, but... His wife is home, and she would love to see you. Yes, they were in California. Yes, they would love to see you. Uh, so here's the address. I think he probably made the phone call, so she knew I was coming. And I was up for whatever adventure came my way. So I went back out, got another rickshaw driver to take me. And I didn't know it was going to be so far out in the country, but I ended up out way far outside of Amritsar to a home, I knew enough to tell the rickshaw driver that I would pay him to stay because I was kind of in the middle of nowhere out in the country. And so I walk up to the door, I walk through, Someone, somebody comes and gets me, and I walk through a courtyard, and it's full of rice that's laid out to dry, and beautiful courtyard, beautiful home. And so I walk in the door, and I'm introduced to several of the family members, and very gracious and warm and you know the the Sikh people are just so uh, compassionate and so you know wonderful to begin with and so I just really felt that hospitality and I actually sat then by the older man the the eye surgeon he had a long white beard and a white turban and I'm sitting down with him and he speaks English which is wonderful I mean they speak English in India but this was like really good English and because he had done some uh, schooling at university in Indiana. And so this esteemed doctor, you know, instead of like asking him other questions, I didn't really have time because he started telling me jokes and some dirty jokes at that uh, in English uh, while lunch was being prepared and some small talk. Time went on and, you know, the Rajavit's wife came in and the table filled up, maybe eight or ten people, this long table, and we're eating this wonderful Punjabi food. I mean, 
it is just, you know, fabulous, known as, you know, the world over as some of the best Indian food. You know, there was just something in the conversation that was not shallow, but something just felt off. You know, we were talking pleasantly and everything, but there was something that just didn't, wasn't sitting right. So there's the nonverbal, right, you know? And uh, so finally I said, I, I just got to be really direct here. So I looked over at Rajavit's wife, who was sitting right across from me, and I said, so when were you in California? And she looked at me, and she said, in 1974. And I thought, this was like 15 years ago or something like that, or even, I was like shocked. Like, you mean you weren't in California just like a couple months ago? And she shook her head and basically said no. And I realized, and we all realized, that I was in the wrong house. I was at the wrong house with the wrong family, eating lunch with them in the middle of the countryside in India. And I was completely like, like taken aback, but in a good way, because I, it was just one of those things that had happened that um, it was a coincidence. As it turned out, there was another family with five eye surgeons in the exact same uh, dynamic with two young men. And his name happened to be Rajavit as well. And their wife, his, him and his brother's wives were eye doctors. And they had a father that was the famous eye surgeon. And their wives, okay, so there was five of them. And it's called, I believe, the Sikh Eye Hospital. Um, and so I had it wrong. I just went to the wrong place. And it was just unbelievable realization that I was at the wrong place. So the rickshaw driver, I, you know, of course, finished the lunch and we laughed and I went on my way and uh, got back in the rickshaw, headed back to Amritsar and uh, found the Singh Eye Hospital. And this time I was like, okay, let me give this shot again. There was even more people outside and around and went up to the receptionist, a different receptionist, a different location altogether. And I asked if Rajavit Singh, Dr. Singh, was in. And she said yes, actually. And she took me almost immediately into a room that was much bigger than the first place I had gone to. And there were several people like on gurneys. And he was going from one patient to another. And he was barefoot, as I remember it as well. I introduced myself. And right away, he knew John. He was, yes, my wife and I were in California. And so he finished up in short measure and he was so warm and friendly. And so he took me and he left all the patients. I kind of felt bad, actually. But um, we walked outside of his clinic. And then we crossed the street. And there was a smaller building across the street. And so I didn't know where we were going. But there were more patients outside of there. Actually, several of them. Uh, older people. And we walk in the door. And there... Uh, into another room, and there was the famous eye surgeon doing LASIK surgery <laughs> on a patient. At least that's what I think he was doing. And I was made, you know, the introduction happened. So this older eye surgeon stopped what he was doing and came over to me, and then I followed him. I was, it was obvious I was supposed to follow him. So then we go and we come to another door in this surgical center. And Rajavi and his father 
go through the door, open it up and go through, and I follow. And the last thing in the world I ever anticipated would be that I would walk into a room that had a massive pool table. Okay, and it wasn't just a pool table, it was a snooker table. And the room was specifically and obviously built for snooker because a snooker table is like three times bigger than a pool table. I mean, the dimensions, it's like 12 feet long and I don't know how wide it, it is. And if, I don't know if you've ever been around snooker before, but I was lucky because I grew up watching snooker and playing snooker with my father and other people in these pool halls in Tipton's pool hall where I hung out after, you know, when I was a teenager into my early 20s. I probably spent more time there than I did anywhere else but home and probably even more than school oftentimes. But here we are, and it's very clear right off the bat, the great doctor wanted me to play play snooker with me. So I obliged and uh, grabbed my cue, and we started to play. Now, snooker, you have... It's a different game that you're probably used to if you don't you're not familiar with it. So there's 15 red balls, okay, solid dark red balls, um, and they're worth one point each. And then you have some other balls that are um, worth points. And so you have like, if I remember right, like the yellow ball is worth maybe two points. The green or brown ball is three or four points. There's a blue ball. I believe that's five worth five points. And then a pink ball, which I always remember that really stands out. It's worth um, six points. And then the final ball is a black ball, which is worth seven points. And then the the balls are all smaller. And the cue ball itself is, I think, like two and one-sixteenth inches. Like it's smaller than your cue ball on your home table or in a bar table or in a pool. They're smaller. And the pocket sizes are smaller. And the length is bigger. So it's extremely difficult to make these shots at times and the width of the pockets are small though the felt the way it is it kind of curves in so that kind of helps out a little bit but you really have to be precise and it teaches you to be really focused and so we started playing and you know the whole idea of snooker and this is what my dad taught me really well was that even in eight ball or nine ball you know you can snooker somebody meaning you can set them up so they don't have a shot so that's part of the strategy of, of pool, though you don't really want to use that like in a bar because people won't understand what you're doing. You think you're playing dirty, and I actually have a story about that, but I will focus back on India here. We start to play, and I knew how to play snooker. I knew how to snooker him, and he was obviously you know well-versed in the game. But I ended up beating him, and he was not mad but very close to it and he wouldn't talk to me anymore he just wanted to play and so he played a second game and I beat him again he didn't say a word he walked back into his surgical center and I'm standing there with Rajavit who was shaking his head laughing and then he motioned to me with his hand let's go to another door and I couldn't believe this I said what's you know what are we going to do now where are we heading so we op- he opens this door and we walk into his home he basically said, you're staying with us. So I got to stay in this Punjabi family's home, and it was wonderful. The whole family lived there. It was very common. The brother and the two wives that were both the eye surgeons and the father and his wife and all the kids. And I had my own room, and I stayed there a couple of days. Unbelievably 
hospitable. I ate with the family. I mean, the food was out of this world. I have no idea what I ate, but it was just so delicious and it was spicy. You know, it was like, wow. Um, it was just phenomenal experience. And I, all those meals I shared with the family sitting around their table, so kind and, and hospitable. And hey, it was nice to be with the right family. Unlike, you know, when I had found, went out to the countryside to the wrong family and eating that meal and, and where something just didn't feel right, like beneath the surface. And finally it came above the surface that I was in the wrong house. But here I am, you know, through the travels, I end up, you know, playing pool and um, staying with this family. And, you know, it was great. They were so kind and generous to me. And um, Rajivit and his wife took me uh, on excursions out of the house. And we actually got to go to the Golden Temple, which is the holiest site in the Sikh faith. In Sikhism, it's the, you know, the Golden Temple. It's probably seen pictures of it before. It's got the gold leaf temple. It's on water. You take a walkway out to it. Uh, you stand in a long line. I remember having to wear a, a scarf over my head. And I remember, you know, walking inside the temple. And, you know, here I am not being a Sikh. But they take people from all walks of life and all faiths. And I remember the spiritual dimension there, which is so powerful. I don't know much about the religion, but I did know I felt it there. And I thought, wow, this is really something. This is an amazing place. And I felt fortunate to be there. So wrapping it up, you know, I uh, end up going across India and having experiences, of course, in other ways. But that was a story as it related to pool that kind of came up in this podcast. And uh, so I uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for being a part of this. Again, I would love to hear from you. So I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Just remember, fly life true and live love blind. And odds are with us at least some of the time. Fly life true.